Hey, this is Kevin Weatherby at Save the Cowboy. I want you to tow that stirrup, throw a leg over the candle, take a deep seat, and pull your hat down tight. I ain't gonna tolerate no whining or griping, so let's all strike a long trot down that narrow trail and learn how to ride with God. Come on! What you waiting on? Let's go. The last, I, I, I would say, month has been very, very trying for me. Um, for those of you that don't know or haven't been here, because I know summer's crazy time, but um, I've had two hospital stays and two surgeries on my pancreas. Um, everything is fine in a nutshell. Everybody kind of makes some gallstones, but the way my pancreatic duct goes into my bile duct, it doesn't tee in, it Y's in. And so instead of passing the stones like everybody does, they fall into my pancreas and I get clogged up. So they have to go in there and rotor-rooter me. Thank goodness they go through the mouth to do that. You can laugh. Come on, come on, that was funny. Well, I thought it's funny. Don't laugh if you don't think it's funny, that's sin. So, you know, I, I mean, I had, I had uh, two hospital stays. L like, like Dave was saying, you know, it, it's that time of year. It, it's branding season with all the rain, all the brandings got pushed back. And so, you know, I was working, I was day working every day. Poor Fiona, man, she was getting just wore out. We were dragging calves. And, and, and so it wasn't just the hospital stays and the recoveries that, that was hard. You know, I mean, I, there was one branding I went to that, that I, I kind of rim-fired her a little bit. And if you don't know what that means, that means the rope gets wrapped around behind her and kind of goes up underneath her tail. They don't like that, okay? If you would like to experience that, come on out to the house today at the open ride. We will show you how that works. You will be on the horse, not me. Um, so, it, it, I'm, I'm just going to be honest, the last couple of weeks, maybe even, I, I might even be so bold as to say the last, uh, I might have said a couple of weeks, a couple of months, have, have been a really trying time. Um, I, some of you know this, um, at the house right now, um, I, I don't think they decided to come today. We have a 13-year-old blind boy that we are hosting from China. He is at the house right now. Um, that has created some very, very unique, uh, you gotta think outside the box. He speaks no English. I mean, he's, he knows some English words, but they're more like memorized words. He really doesn't know what he's saying. Um, he is absolutely the sweetest child I think I have ever seen. That is no knock against my own children. My own children are, are godsends. But it's a different culture. Yesterday, and y'all are going to all go, aw, and I don't blame you when I say this. Yesterday, his name is Chu Chung. That took me a while. Try that with a Texas accent. <laughs> Yesterday, he fell asleep on his bed while listening to the TV. And when he got up, we have like the Google Translate. So there's, there's like the ding, and then he, you know, and stuff like that. And then, and then you know, it, it doesn't work sometimes. So you're like... <laughs> But he apologized for falling asleep during the afternoon without permission. Because in their culture, I, I, I guess you have to have permission. I have never wanted to hug a boy so many times in all of my life. One day, well, he's only been here since Wednesday. But um, there's just been so many challenges. One of the greatest challenges is that in, in the Chinese culture, there is no yes or no. Now... If you speak Chinese, you're going to say, no, that's not right. But I'm talking about, you know, on the whole. There is no yes or no. If I ask you, 
um, would you like me to get you something to drink? The way you would say yes is something to drink. You would repeat the question back in the affirmative. Or you would say, I do not care for something to drink. You would answer the complete question. So there is no yes or no. So we ask him a question, would you like some bread? No, He says like 42 words. And we're like, was that yes or no? And so, so even trying to tell him, you know, like the, the universal sign, thumbs up or thumbs down, there's like 60 million words for yes and 60 million words for no. And they all look like a stick figure. So, <laughs> good grief. It, it, has, it has been an, an absolute challenge. I will not lie to you. It has been a complete struggle. He does not know that. But w what do you do? You know, I mean, you, you can play with him. We've got a ball that makes noise, so we roll the ball back and forth. But he's 13 years old. You know, he's not four, you know. And it, 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 it's, just, it's been... It has been one of the greatest experiences of my life. He will be here for another three and a half weeks or so. And uh, to top it all off, we were supposed to get another child also. The United States State Department or American Embassy over in China had a problem with their computer system. The visas were not issued. So the little five-year-old boy that was supposed to come also did not get to come with everybody else, and we don't know if he's going to get to come at all. So that has been stressful, because every day we're checking in, we're checking in, it's so completely out of our control. And, and so it, it is just, I mean, am I the only one that just thinks, is this ever going to end? I mean, can we not just maybe, you know, like when you're riding a bicycle, you kind of have a downhill spot where you can kind of just sit back and relax a little bit. I mean, is, is it just my life that seems to be, you know, steadily uphill? Maybe not like this, but, you know, just no matter what you do, it's just a struggle over and over. And once you get past this hill, you get it up to the top and it levels out and then there's another one. And then there's another one, and there's another one. It, it kind of culminated uh, day before yesterday. Um, I'm sitting there with Chu Chung on the on the uh, on the couch, and, and I'm trying to find him a Chinese radio station to listen to. But I, as you know, China is a communist country, and they don't just let anybody onto their internet. You have to have like a certain VPN and all of this stuff. So I'm having a hard time. He's frustrated, the communication barrier and everything. And so I'm sitting there, and thank you, John, for installing the air conditioners in the house. But the air conditioner was running, and it's a little bit loud. It's, you know, it's a window unit and everything. And so I'm sitting there, and, and I'm talking with, with Chu Chung on the translator and everything. And all of a sudden, I hear Riley say from the kitchen, Dad, Mom's screaming. And I listen, and she is. She's outside, and she is screaming. Scares me to death. I, I don't even remember getting off the couch. I am at literally a dead run through the kitchen and at a dead run on that stainless steel refrigerator. I hit my kneecap. Dead center. Enough so that it spun me around. Now, I can hear Christy screaming my name outside. So I just kind of did like a Emmett Smith, you know, boom, and did a spin, peed down both legs. It's okay. There's nothing wrong with that. When you, That's fine. I'm man enough to admit that. And so I hit the back door, and one of our dogs has the other one in the death lock on her throat. And Christy's trying to separate. Blood is everywhere. 
Christy doesn't do blood. If you need to have an emergency, do not have my wife there. You will pass away. <laughs> Done. Her idea of first aid is quit bleeding before you die. Uh, that, actually, she's just going to pray for you while she leaves you there to bleed to death. Okay, that's just her. And so I get outside and um, I'll be honest, I broke the dogs up and it only took a size nine. Because I didn't know what else to do. Because actually, there was so much blood, I thought the dogs had got her. And so I knew she wasn't going to let go of the dogs until I, you know, until I got them apart. And I would rather hurt a dog this much than have one dog kill another one. So I got them apart and everything. And I, met, I was like, are you okay? So I'm checking Christy. And about the time she says she's okay, we get the dog separated. That's when the pain hit. <laughs> And I just, I limped around, and then Riley and, and, and Chu Chung and Christy, they, they, went, to, uh, they went to Walmart and, and did some stuff. And I sat there, and honest to goodness, it looked like you cut a ping pong ball in half and inserted it on the top of my kneecap. It was a knot this big. And I thought, you know what happened? I just broke my kneecap in half. I mean, it, th that's really what I thought. And I thought, can I not catch a break? Does everything have to be a struggle? God, can you not, I mean, I'm not looking for a pat on the back, but can you kind of, you know, clear some of these things out of the way just, just, for, just for a minute? Just for a minute. You know, this is no complaint, okay? I don't mean, I don't want y'all to think that I'm complaining about my life. I have the greatest life ever. But just like you, I struggle. I have things that just seem to pile on and pile on and pile on. And when you get one rid of 10 pounds, 11 pounds takes its place. Paul illustrates the Christian life struggle perfectly in 2 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 5, where Paul says this, For when we came into Macedonia, this body of ours had no rest. But we were harassed at every turn, conflict on the outside and fears within. Now, if you're a Christian and you have professed your faith in Jesus Christ, I bet that right now in some form or fashion, maybe a lot of fashion, maybe a little fashion, that that, that fits you perfectly. You're tired. I mean, Paul says, when we came into Macedonia, this body of ours had no rest. I can look at it. I can see you're tired. It's Sunday morning. It's your day off. You want, you know, you would rather sleep in. Some of you could have slept in. Some of you can't sleep in if you're locked dependent on it. You're up at 4.30 in the morning like I am. So, you know, but I know that you're tired. I get it. You've been working your tails off and you've been, you've been busting your butts and it just seems like nothing ever quits. But you're not alone. 2,000 years ago, Paul said the same thing. He said, for when we came into Macedonia, this body of ours had had no rest, but we were harassed at every turn. He says that there was conflict on the outside. You know, my life would be a lot less conflicting if everybody would just do what I said. <laughs> you know, and that starts with my family. If they would just do what I say, behave like I want them to, and do everything that I want to do, the conflict would be nearly non-existent. This church would be a, better, a lot better off if y'all would just do what I said. It works, I, I promise you. And I mean, I, 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 Sue, I love what you have hanging in your house. If I agreed with you, then we would both be wrong. You know, I mean, don't we feel like that sometimes? But doesn't it seem like everything is just a conflict? 
I mean, we get in our cars and we drive and, and, and you know, I, I know we've got Nicole Moore from our, our, our line camp in, in Wyoming here with us. And she drove in yesterday and she said that this dude was coming like 100 miles an hour in the wrong lane right at her yesterday. I mean, we can't even drive down the road without conflict, conflict without you know, and, and here's, the, here's the sad thing, and I want, you, I want you to keep this in mind, okay? There's not a one of us, from the good-looking man standing on stage to the, uh, to the pretty good-looking people sitting out in the audience and watching on the Internet and listening on the radio, none of us are immune to what I'm fixing to say, but I think that we all need to be cognizant of it, especially in light of recent national events, okay? Listen to this. I've never been bitten by a wolf, but I've been knocked down, kicked, bitten, and even headbutted by a sheep. Let those with ears hear, okay? See, here's the deal. Christians, religious people, I'm going to say religious people, not Christians, not, not authentic Christ followers. Religious people hate it when people sin differently than they do, don't they? Boy, they hate it when people sin differently than they do. I am not condoning nor or uh, I, I'm just saying you get your stuff straight before you worry about anybody else's, okay? Actually, let me rephrase that. Kevin, you get your stuff straight before I worry about anybody else's. I, I think that Jesus came and he offered, he offered a full measure of grace with a full measure of truth. And he never got away from either one of those things. And I think that we, as Christ followers, need to do the same thing. We should never choose grace and leave out the truth, but we should never speak the truth without a full dose of grace. Okay? Um, and the reason I say that is Paul's biggest conflict was not really with, with, with people that, that weren't religious. The, the ones going out there sinning and, and doing all this stuff that God says don't do, they weren't giving Paul a hard time. They could care less about Paul. You know who Paul had the conflicts with? Religious people. That's who he had the conflict with. And you know what? As Christians, we should get along because if we can't get along, why would somebody want to come into more conflict in their lives than they have already? We need to all get along. I've said this time and time again. If you feel the need to say something to somebody about sin, there's some steps that I believe that you need to follow before you do. Number one, you should have prayed about it immensely. And I'm not talking about, I am immensely praying right now. Okay, listen here, fella. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying that you should have been on your knees time and time and time and time and time again, praying about whether or not God is asking you to say this. If you believe that he does ask you to say it, it ought to bring you to tears to go to another brother in Christ, another sister in Christ and point out a sin. It ought to break your heart. Now, if God leads you to say it, your heart is broken because you feel the need to say it, and you do go say it, God is not going to call you to say it, break your heart to say it, have you say it, and then have you run off. Guess what else he's calling you to do? To stand there right beside them and support them while they're going through that. You are supposed to be their rock. You are supposed to be their guide. So if you feel the need to go say something to somebody else that you believe is sinning, then you better be, have been prayed up, you better be heartbroken over it, and you better be able to be right there with them even when they get mad at you, and you need to show them that you love them. You can never go to somebody and tell them they've done something wrong if you don't love them. You can't. Paul says, when we came into Macedonia, this body of ours had no rest, but we were harassed at every turn. Conflict on the outside. We've talked about that. Paul says, man, 
It's everywhere. Conflict. Everybody's getting offended by everything. These people are telling these people that they're doing it wrong. These people are telling these people that they're doing it wrong. And everybody thinks I'm wrong all the time. You know what the, you know what the definition of leadership is? See, we're, we're called to be leaders. You know what the definition of leadership is? The fine art of deciding who to make mad. That's it. It doesn't matter what I do. If I say A, B gets mad. If I say B, A gets mad. And C's mad all the time. It doesn't matter what we do. Half the people think I'm the greatest guy alive. Oh, he's such soul wisdom. And these people are like, he's an idiot. And I think both of those fit sometimes, maybe in the same sentence. I don't know. I've got a confession to make, and this isn't easy. I'm scared 99% of the time. I am absolutely terrified. You think it's easy to get up here and say what I've already said to people that I admire, to people that I respect, to people that have more biblical knowledge in their pinky toe than I do in my entire body. I am scared all the time. And I remember the very first time that I realized that, that see, cowboys are supposed to be fearless. We're supposed to be walk into any situation and boy, we're supposed to have courage. But you know what? Courage cannot exist in the absence of fear. If you're not scared, you can't have courage, right? I mean, so it's okay to be scared if you're courageous. But see, here's the thing. I think a lot of all of us, not just me, I think we're scared all the time. We don't know what to do. We can look back because hindsight is 50-50, right? <laughs> that's, what, that's a joke because somebody said that one time. They're like, hindsight's 50-50. And I was like, no, it's not. It's 20-20. <laughs> they spoke a different language. It, 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 it just didn't work out that well. So hindsight, that's what I always say now. Hindsight is 50-50. You either got it right or you got it wrong. That's what I'm saying. But, you know, we can all look back and say, man, I wish I'd have done this. But aren't we all making the best decisions that we can with the amount of information that we have at the moment? I mean, seriously. But I remember I walked out on the porch of my ranch in Texas. I walked out there and I was like, man, something's wrong. I can't put my finger on it. You know, you just have that, that nagging feeling. I sat there and I prayed about it. I was like, God, what is the matter with me? I'm not really depressed. That's not it. I mean, I'm... Not like doing cartwheels out here in the dirt, you know, but I mean, I'm relatively happy. What's the matter with me? He said, you've been pretending. And I was like, pretending what? He said that you're not scared. And he was right. And to admit that in front of, of men that, that I admire and, and, and women that, that I look up to and to stand up here and say, I'm scared all the time. I, I've never run Save the Cowboy before. I have no idea. 99% of the time, I don't know what I'm doing. Give me a break. <laughs> you know, if you would like to come do it better than me. Come on, I could use you. You better like making people mad. That's all I can say. But I'm scared. And, and Paul says the same thing right here. He says we were harassed at every turn. And if it wasn't conflict on the outside, it was our fears within. So why do Christians struggle? I think it's a valid question. Why do we struggle? Why can't God just smooth the road and let us coast? Why doesn't God just understand that if he just answer every one of our prayers and wishes, our lives would be so much easier, right? We have to, isn't it a shame that we have to remind God of what we're going through all the time? I mean, come on, he knows. And most of our prayers, aren't they about what would make our lives easier? God, if you will just, if you will just, if you will just, and most of it is trying to make our lives easier. Why? Doesn't God just understand that if he'd just answer every one of our prayers and wishes, that our lives would be great. That our lives would be, you know, we could all just go around and skip and hold hands with each other. That, you know, we could just eat marshmallows and have fruity flavored farts and it'd just be great. I mean, 
That's what, isn't that what, I mean, come on, isn't that what we really want? I mean, maybe not that last part, but I mean, um, but isn't that what we all want? We, we were like, why is life such a struggle? Why are we doing this? Why are we going through that? Why is the Christian life so hard? And how in the world do we tell people that these struggles and hardships will mold them into the men that God wants them to be? How do we tell people that, look, when you become a Christian, your life is not going to get easier. It's actually going to be harder. But it is in that harder life that you are going to become the man or woman that God wants you to be. How do we tell people that it is the hardships that we endure that make us totally fulfilled? How do we tell people that it is the hardships that we endure that make us understand our purpose? How do we tell people that it is the hardships we endure that enable us to be able to handle this hard life? Why do Christians struggle? Why is life so hard? Well, I'm going to give you all six. This is not the exhaustive. This is not, you know, whether be strong concordance of the only reasons life is hard. It's not. It's just six things that I found in the Bible to explain why the Christian life is so hard. Now, like I said, it is anything that's worth doing isn't easy, right? So I'm, over the next six weeks, I'm going to explain biblically why the Christian life is so hard and why that is good news for you. Okay, now I'm just going to give them all to you right now and then we'll start next week and I'll explain them. The very first thing is we are strangers in a foreign land. That comes from 1 Peter chapter 2, 11 and 12. We are strangers in a foreign land. Just like Chu Chung is here. I mean, I, I was talking to Sandy this morning and, and we were sitting there thinking, you know, why do people like some stuff? And we can't understand it. And I said, well, well, Sandy, we're not normal. She goes, well, we should be. And I said, but we're not. Christians aren't normal. We don't, we don't do the same things that other Christians do. We don't understand the language that these people that don't know God, we, we don't understand why they do stuff. We are like strangers in a foreign land. And that can make life difficult. The second thing, second reason why Christians struggle is God says that we are to be a living sacrifice, a living sacrifice that does not conform to the patterns of this world. Now, what part of sacrifice do you think sounds real pleasing? Okay, he's not asking us to die, though. He's asking us to live. See, that's the play on words, a living sacrifice. Doesn't sound like those two things should go together. It's like, you know, a smart preacher or, you know, big elephant or, you know, something like that. The third thing, reason why we struggle. First was we're strangers in a foreign land. Second, we're, a lit, we're supposed to be a living sacrifice that does not conform to the patterns of this world. Romans 12, 1 and 2. Third thing, we are a new creation. We are doing things that we've never done before because now the Holy Spirit indwells in us and we are called to bigger and greater things. I mean, th think about the bird that flies for the first time. What does it have to do? It has to jump out of the nest. It's something that it couldn't, I mean, before it would have killed it. And now it has the ability to fly. But it's hard getting the courage up to do that. We are a new creation. I mean, think about how totally dependent Harper Grace is on, on her mom and, and her grandparents. She's a new creation. She's totally dependent. And we must become totally dependent upon God for everything that we have. That's why we struggle. That's why some of us cry like babies every now and then. We throw fits. Hopefully we don't poop ourselves, but that's, but that's another thing. The fourth reason, take up your cross and follow me. What about that sounds good? Take up your cross and follow me. Man, 
This life is hard. But, but once again, like I said, it is on the other side of these things is the only place you will find out who you really are. It is on the other side of these struggles and on the other side of these conflicts that will make you into the man or the woman that you want to become, that you will experience the life that you've always dreamed of. New creation, 2 Corinthians 5, 17. Take up your cross and follow me. How about when Jesus says this in Matthew chapter 7, verse 14. This is Jesus' words, not mine. He said, the way is hard that leads to life. The way is hard that leads to life. This isn't going to be easy, people. Don't expect it to be easy. Most people fall away from the Christian life because they think they want it. And then it becomes another story. And the last thing that we'll talk about is that we should only have two desires. And I'm going to leave that one, what those desires should be. You'll have to come back all six weeks. No, not really. We're going to take attendance. No, we're not. You know, basically, we can summarize all of these into two statements, or into one statement. This statement, maybe I should say. All of these things that I've talked about, the reason why the Christian life is such a struggle is because everyone wants to be a Christian until it's time to live like Jesus said to live and do what Jesus said to do and live like Jesus lived. Or if you would like it in other terms, everybody wants to be a cowboy until it's time to do cowboy stuff. Think about that. Until it's time to work seven days a week for $600 a month. And if you think I'm joking, I'll show you the pay stub to prove it. Work seven days a week for $600 a month. And I guarantee you, you look around, if you'd like me to introduce you some of the local ranchers, that's about what they make when it's all said and done. You don't do it for the money. Everyone wants to be a cowboy until it's time to check heifers in sub-zero weather at 3 a.m. Or go pull a calf or pull a dead calf. You ever seen a cowboy with his hand up a calf while he's vomiting on himself? I have. Everybody wants to be a cowboy until it's time to do cowboy stuff. Because it's not all run, 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 run. Actually, that's like the, this part of it. Although, if you want to come out today, Joseph will show you how to do that. <laughs> no, he probably won't. He might. Everybody wants to be a cowboy until it's time to get on after getting bucked off. <laughs> get this. So I was at the, 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 the rodeo in Elizabeth, not the stampede, but the other one, the community rodeo. I was doing the prayer for it. And I'm walking back behind the buck and shoots and, and uh, uh, Kelsey Garcia is back there and she's sorting these bucking horses, big old bucking horses. And they're going everywhere and dirt's flying everywhere. And this guy is walking along. Gosh, I probably shouldn't say this. God forgive me. You ever seen a trucker try to dress like a cowboy? That's what this fellow looked like. I'm not saying that there's anything wrong with it. I'm just trying to paint a mental picture. Okay? He's walking along, and he's got his girlfriend with him. And every other word out of his mouth is a cuss word, which I, re I really don't care about. I used to do the same thing. It doesn't. I don't talk like that, but I'm not going to jump on people that do. He's walking along with his girlfriend, and he says, interlace your own cuss words in what I'm fixing to say. And he says, I wish they'd let me get on one of those. I'd pay a thousand bucks right now to get on one of those again. I wanted to stop and say, well, come on, cowboy. Come with me. I know the stock contractor. For a thousand bucks, I'll bet he'll let you get on twice. Come on. I'm glad I ran into you. Here, let's hold hands and skip over there. I did, man. I wanted so, so bad to grab him up and say, come on, cowboy. Yes, this just made all of what I did perfect. But I didn't. I didn't. Because, see, I don't want to hear what people have to say. I want to see what people have to do. 
Because it's real easy when you're walking back on the other side of the fence to talk real big. And it's easy to say, well, when you get bucked off, you got to get back on. I want to be there when it happens. Show me a cowboy that's got on every single time they've got bucked off. And I'll show you somebody that ain't been bucked off very many times. There's four times that I got stomped and bucked off so hard I couldn't get back on. The other three times because my horse was at the ranch by then. <laughs> hard to get back on whenever you don't have a horse. But, but, but the point is, is that, you know, everybody wants to be a cowboy. Everybody wants to be a Christian until you get bucked off. Everybody wants to be a Christian until life gets hard. Until you are called to go minister to somebody. Until you are called to pray with somebody. Until you are called to make, go make a hospital visit. Despite common culture these days, it is not the preacher's responsibility to go see people in the hospital. It is followers of Christ's responsibility to go see people in the hospital or to take food to somebody or whatever. It's all of our jobs, mainly yours. Not really. I'm joking. <laughs> Everybody wants to be a cowboy until it's time to give every bit of yourself to riding for the ranch instead of yourself. Go talk to Dave and Sue. Talk to Lee over here. Talk to some of these other ranchers about how tired they are. I guarantee you, cowboys, cowboying and ranching is only glamorous in the movies. It's hard work. And you have to give every bit of yourself to it. And that's no different than Christianity. Everybody wants to be a Christian until they say, God, not my will, but yours 100%. Everybody wants to be a cowboy until it's time to sow what you will not reap. Until it's time to care for the things that will not care for you back. Until it's time to love the things that don't care about you. See, we're called as Christians that we will sow what we will not reap. We will make a difference in people's lives that we will never see. And we are, especially in America, we are results-oriented. We want, we want to be able to see that what we did meant something. Most of what you do as a Christian, you will not see the fruit of it. But you'll feel it. You'll have the knowledge that what you did was great. You'll have the knowledge that who you are is different. I love what Dave Ramsey says. He says it about money. I say it about Christianity. If you want to live like nobody else, you must live like nobody else. This world, go turn on your TV. There's going to be a thousand commercials on today of things that will supposedly make you happy for $19.95 a month. <laughs> if you will just have that new pickup, people will. My kids get so mad at me because I cannot stand rims on a truck. They say, you ought to get rims on your truck. I said, I can't see them driving down the road. I ain't spending $4,000 so you can be happy with my truck. That's dumb. Now, if you have rims on your truck, I appreciate that because I enjoy looking at them. That is your prerogative. Just because you do it doesn't mean I have to. I don't know why I said all that, but here, here's the deal. <laughs> why do Christians struggle? Why is this Christian life so hard? And why is it supposed to be? And why is it great that it is? The next six weeks, we will talk about each one of these, probably more in depth than you wanted to know, with the hope, with the prayer that I know if you will listen and you will open yourself up to the Holy Spirit, it will absolutely, positively change your entire life. Let's go to God in prayer. God, I thank you so much for who you are. And God, I ask a blessing on, on your word today that, that has been heard by the people here, whether they're on the internet, on the radio, we're sitting here today. God, they're here for a purpose. And if they push everything else away, they can hear you talking loud and clear to them. Not to the person beside them or in front of them or behind them, but the Holy Spirit speaking to them in their heart of taking some of the things that they've heard today and applying it to their lives. Not to be cast down, but to be emboldened, to be convicted, to be lifted up, 
to know that God knows that you know every one of our struggles and that you are there with us. And on the other side of this struggle that you are going to get us through with your power, not ours, that we will become who you made us to be. God, most people in here are scared of what that means. Give them the courage to be scared to death, but to saddle up anyway. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.